head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe podcast right now to support the podcast and sign up for our premium content and now here's the podcast graham mcdonald is an idiot sean sheehan of severemma.com he even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god this is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 299 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by the Scott McTominay of Irish MMA Media. Talk about a big week in the world of mixed martial arts. We're going to talk about UFC 258, which went down last night. We're going to talk about the big card coming up next week, the Bellator TV deal slash uh, new fights and stuff like that at the end of the podcast. So all that uh, is coming up. And this week's episode is presented by Manscaped. And hey, fellas, we're in the take of winter, so storms are brewing. It looks like one in three inches are the forecast uh, that you have to trim for hibernation. Uh, which is taking place in your pants look at our partners at Manscaped specialise in products to make your walking around with two beautiful snowballs Manscaped is here to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience often new precision engineering tools for your family uh, jewels so myself and Graham I know the last time we shaved was probably before Christmas now, so we need to get it out again and get our, our Manscaped going so the Lawnmower 3.0 is definitely the way to start it's the best hygiene tool for the modern man ceramic blade even uh, sk- uh, skin safe technology that will stop you snagging your snowballs uh, and uh, you can even trim them in the jacuzzi uh, because it's it's uh, waterproof Manscaped's performance package is the best buy of 2021 the performance package comes with that lawnmower 3.0 the weed whacker for the nose and ears uh, and the performance boxer briefs and the travel bag as well which I have right here which I hope to use soon if lockdown picking <laughs> stops um, have you ever noticed how nasty nose and ear hair is in fact 79% of partners polled uh, admitted that long nose hair is a major turn off so you might as well use the best tools to your job you know today's valentine's day so keep keep it going lads you need to keep it going the bundle also comes with a crop preserver and ball deodorant which are absolutely fantastic uh uh, the Crop Reviver Ball Toner as well. The Crop Reservers Anti-Chafing Ball Deodorant. And I know a couple of lads over in the uh, over in the, uh, the group chat were talking about that the other day. Saying it's absolutely unbelievable. And it really is. Makes you smell nice. And it'd be like a pure winter wonderland. And the Crop Reservers, the spray on toner for your balls it's made with soothing aloe and witch hazel extracts witch hazel okay uh that will make your balls look at you and say thanks no very good uh so don't get cold feet this winter get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code severe mma at manscaped.com uh they can also have a ton of other amazing uh hygiene products on their website from disposable mats for your pubes to foot deodorant and everything else they've lovely mints as well try out the mints if they're like with the 20 percent off they're only like two fucking fifty or something. So lash them in with the the rest of your thing. I only I literally ordered two pairs of uh, or uh, two packets of the mints myself the other day without anything else. So I love them. I'm fucking addicted to them. But anyway, um, get twenty percent off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code Severe MMA. That's twenty percent off and free shipping with the code Man uh, Severe MMA at manscaped.com. Thanks to Manscaped for making our winter wieners look good Graham how are things how are you good uh 
good early earlier morning here, old severe uh, podcast, and we're usually uh, we're usually doing. How, how was your uh, how was your week between fights? Pretty pretty exciting night last night, wasn't it? Yeah, I enjoyed the fights last night. Um, the the week, you know, it's just kind of everything. It's hard to know what day it is with the lockdown these days, and <laughs> barely what's going on. But uh, if we didn't have live sports, if we didn't have like MMA and football, it'd be a, it'd be a whole lot worse. So. Uh, uh, should appreciate these uh, <laughs> these sporting events to keep us entertained. Yeah, and we, we actually should. I, I think everyone's becoming a little started, bit more like appreciative. Nothing, and it was worse. Like remember the first lockdown oh, where there was terrible. absolutely nothing, and it was just like awful. Yeah. But at least now you have something to break the days up. That you know, it isn't just sitting around all day. <laughs> Even feel- though you're sitting around watching, at least you're entertained. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I feel like the first lockdown though, we were kind of more green to it. We were like, ah, oh, this mightn't be too bad. You know, it's I. This yeah, it one- kind of had a novelty factor of yeah. like oh this is kind of strange but i suppose like it's kind of different and cool well, not really cool but you know what i mean it's kind of a new experience but now it's just like fuck's sake yeah i just really want it to be over and i'm 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 really sick of it even though there is sports and stuff like but yeah it's uh it's draining on everyone and look hopefully everyone we give them a bit of a break for it from an hour or two so uh if we can do that we can uh, we can help you and we don't we don't know we don't talk about it too much i suppose because mma it's i don't i don't think it's a huge an issue as it was in mma before i think they're doing a, a good job and in most places anyway with the ufc we see it recently as well so you know it's it's tough and hopefully we all get through it you know hopefully by the time the summer comes we can be out and we can be maybe having barbecues in our own yard and people can come around and stuff as well and be some sort of uh some sort of break from it anyway so no not too bad sure we won't we won't get into it at all but graham you must be hating watching sports these days the way liverpool are <laughs> yeah oh my god <laughs> But like uh, uh, the more frustrating thing about it is like you just want a fair game, and then they're they're drawing lines on sh- they're drawing lines on shadows and stuff. It's just fucking ludicrous. Like. No, don't start. No, don't start. Don't start. But like, correct me where I'm wrong. That's ridiculous. Drawing a line on a shadow. I won't, no, I, I won't correct you where you're wrong. <laughs> Because I'm not wrong. <laughs> I yeah. think I'll just leave it. Glory, glory, Man United. Jurgen Klopp out. He's rubbish. Liverpool are done. Anyway. Sure, what would you know? You've already been a fan of football since fucking two months ago. You <laughs> gave back. up last year, so I'm I don't back. know what you're talking about. The glory days are back. Actually, do you know, I'm at, Man United are okay now. They're still a bit shit, but Liverpool being terrible it may, is actually way better for me. It makes it, uh, it makes my soccer watching um, way more enjoyable. It's absolutely, it's absolutely fantastic. I'm such a hater, but anyway. Well, uh, we'll see what happens when it comes around when we get to the real stuff instead of this provincial. Oh yeah, oh, you're provincial back to that again, you, now, you <laughs> I never stopped. <laughs> Check the record. Check the record. <laughs> oh God, I'm gonna die. <laughs> I never stopped. That's a classic line. I need. We need that in a T-shirt. I never stopped. Uh, all right. Anyway, let's get into the card last time. We can't bury the lead here. I don't think it has to be Cameroosman because it, it was a fantastic uh, display, a fantastic fight, and a different sort of fight for Cameroosman. Even though it's weird, you know, we talked about it last week, and we kind of said exactly what would happen in terms of uh, the back and forth in the fight, not how the fight ended or not how the fight went, but like, we, I think we said that Burns would show him issues or have issues for him in every area, but Usman would probably end up getting the better of it and, we, and winning. But I don't think either of us, Graham, would have like imagined Usman would come right out and get knocked down by Burns and Burns would hurt him and stun him every time he touched him in that first round and that the Usman jab would be as effective as it was and the way he turned that fight around and just started dropping Burns at every fucking turn with that beautiful jab and the straight shots right down through the middle. Like I think 
you know, I talked about it maybe on, I, I don't know, I'm on the Patreon podcast or on this podcast, about Usman and, and those straight shots and him being long and maybe being able to keep Burns at the end of the jab or maybe just at the end of his strikes. But I didn't think he'd be able to, like, knock him down constantly and, you know, bludgeon him at the end of those straight strikes. And to me, I, I know I've said it for a while, but I think Trevor Whitman is the best coach in MMA and Usman going to him is is a game changer i also think it's a little bit unfair that burns was working with maybe a little bit the different coaches in sanford mma and not henry hoof the whole time he different coaches in his corner and stuff whereas usman was going to go to whitman anyway it reminded me a little bit of you know gsp the time with uh with carlos condit where carlos condit didn't get to work with uh greg jackson and i think maybe he worked with mike winklejohn but he worked with the other coaches and the, the main coaches stayed out of it whereas gsp got to work with firas sahabi so it was his main coach anyway so he wasn't really losing out on anything and i feel maybe there was a little bit of that here but uh, however i don't think it played in, into it a huge difference burns came out and he fought his fight fight and did very well in the first round and it turned into a kind of a power striking matchup between the two guys in a most in a, in a very technical and kind of um you know good way for the way both of those guys fight what, what did you think of it graham were you kind of shocked i like i i very very rarely go oh watching a fight and when i'm sitting by myself at like five o'clock in the morning but when burns knocked him down i was i roared <laughs> audibly if anyone around there was was listening i probably woke him up were you shocked by the especially the starters fight but how the fight went yeah. uh, itself yeah, well, uh, I actually didn't. I didn't think he was as hurt as I think most people seem yeah. to think, and the commentators seem to think. I thought it was just one of those ones, kind of equilibrium ones. He didn't look, he didn't look like he was about to go out. In my opinion, like the, maybe that was just a. I didn't actually look on social media at the time, but the commentators were acting like he was about to. He's about to be finished. I didn't think. I thought like, yeah, he got got hit with a nice shot there, got wobbled, but I, yeah, I didn't think he was nearly finished. But uh, it definitely was a. You know, a, a really good start from Gilbert Burns, and even when you know uh, Usman got him to the ground or took him, put him on his back, you could see how much respect he had for his jiu-jitsu. It must have been from the, you know, the sparring and stuff like that. And Burns must have been kind of, you know, telling the truth when he was saying, "Oh, he knows what happens when we when we spar or whatever," because Usman, you know, came out with a with a respectful game plan of of not engaging on the ground basically. But he did, you know, manage to to just kind of wear where where uh burns down and kind of break his momentum with that keep him on the ground kind of recover himself so i thought that was a very very smart thing to do uh, after being you know rocked in the fight and then once yeah once uh he talked once he got to his corner and was told basically to stay on his jab that's that's what he did and that's that turned the fight around completely and burns couldn't deal with the with the jab and you know that's a stiff jab in your face and it seemed to be doing a lot of damage swelling up burns's face and it kind of seemed like uh you know, once once Burns didn't get the finish in the first round, it kind of seemed like it was inevitable to me that uh, Usman was gonna was gonna win uh, pretty handily. Yeah, it was one of those fights where like the tide turned, I think, very quickly in terms of, like if we just kind of run through the fight. So Burns came out and knocked him down immediately, and st- like I I kind of agree with you. I didn't didn't think he was like out from it, or I didn't think he was like you know on on the verge of stopping the fight. But it was one of those ones where. He did put his equilibrium out, but it was in such a way that if Burns had landed, you know, like a fucking 
Dan Henderson on uh, on Fedor style uppercut under his arm, he would have knocked him out, you know, because he was in kind of a prone position and open for it. And Burns landed a few, one hundred percent. But Usman is an absolutely fantastic chin and was was able to get through it. So it was it was you know it was risky time there for for um, Usman for that first round, no doubt about it. And I actually think the shots that came after it were kind of more worrying for him because if you get stunned by every shot, you know, one of them eventually is going to be too much and burn someone like burns is going to turn up the you know up the ante and turn up the gas and, and unload on you and, and it's going to be the end but usman did a great job you know i i always say but i i'm no expert you know cups one's gonna give out to me like but get behind the jab that i i always talk about the jab in mma and maybe you know i go overboard now. but this is the reason why you get behind the jab if you have a good jab if you're long and big like uh usman was and you can throw it well it's the perfect weapon in mma it's a beautiful weapon and you know what as well uh burns came out and he kicked that calf immediately and kicked it a couple of times and that jab you know we, we're looking like conor mcgregor versus dustin Poirier three is coming up and uh, obviously that will there'll be a big talk about into that the jab and him pull pushing burns back kind of alleviated that leg kick as well or the calf kick and took it away so it was a great job by him but in the first round as i mentioned burns stunned him a couple of times um i thought a big turning point in this as well was when burns kind of got knocked down to his arse and as you said he uh usman refused to get into the guard with him and there was i don't know it felt like about two minutes it was probably a little bit less Usman was just kind of kicking, you know, the arse of him, kicking the hamstrings of him. Um, and he snuck in a big shot at one side as well, yeah. I think a big kind of overhand. I think, I think was that in kind of in the second round, maybe. but uh, yeah, he hit him with a few shots. But I think more than that even, the fact that Burns was on his back and you could see he was kind of getting tired. I think they said in the commentary at one stage, there was like, um, oh, he, he, he doesn't like it there anymore. He wants to get back and he tried to get back up a couple of times. I feel like it kind of just gassed him out a little bit. And when we talk about adrenaline coming in, to the the fight as well and beforehand when Usman yeah. didn't when Usman didn't um touch gloves with him and he came out immediately and throws that big right hand did you think there was a bit of an adrenaline dump there from Burns in the first round um it's hard to know but like you'd be understandable if there was you know he he might have probably thought he was about to become the champion you know and then all of a sudden the <laughs> the fight slipping away from yeah. him it's like a adrenaline and a mental thing like a mental probably uh you know, come down during the fight. The, you think you have it, and then all of a sudden, you're like, "Shit, I'm fucking tired," and I fucking, I'm getting, I'm getting uh, outdone here. So, yeah, it could have been an adrenaline dump, but it's it's so hard to know. Um, I, I think more even the adrenaline dump, just like the energy expanded by being in that position. You know, and you know, we obviously can't talk about it. Most people can't talk about it, but like being in a world title fight like that when you're on your back moving around it's and i know it's not an alien position to him obviously being a jiu-jitsu guy and everything like that but it just looked like it was making him tired it looked like a really really hurtful position in terms of like robbing the gas tank from you and uh you know usman definitely played on it and he saw that it was the, the issue there and uh you know he he uh you know, he kept it in that position for a longer time, I think, than most would have, and I think that was smart as well. But in the second round, he completely took over, knocked down uh, um, Burns, that jab again. I thought Burns wasn't going to survive because there was a couple of times where he was kind of, you know, that look over the shoulder, like, oh, no, the next shot is coming. I'm going to get knocked out kind of job. But he kept going, you know, good chin on him. 
survived, didn't give up, give up for a second and got to the end of the second round. But in the third, it was just all Usman. You know, he knocked him down immediately. Only lasted 34 seconds. Uh... Of which time it gave Herb Dean enough time Your to boy. fall over him. <laughs> My God, how bad! Like how bad? How many fuck ups can Herb Dean make before he's out there? Now I think the fight was probably ended around oh, the right time. He was doing the doggy pokey. He was. He was doing musical chairs. He was looking for a chair to fucking sit down on before the other two lads. Oh God! In out, in out, shake it all about. <laughs> That should be fucking Herb Dean's team music when he walks home from fight season. Uh, like, I uh, if you manage to be like one of the one of the fans or working for the UC, you probably get your get your speaker your Bluetooth speaker going and play him some <laughs> entrance music and people be able to hear it. <laughs> oh, it's not a laughing matter though because it's someone's gonna get bad. Like some people have already gotten badly hurt. Like let's be honest, because of Herb Dean, and uh, you know for to call him the gold standard of a referee as as people do, it's it's just completely and utterly wrong. I don't think anyone who's been watching fights over the last two or three years could say it. Just falling all over him. Like, if uh, if Burns was going to get back to normal, like, and, you know, or, or uh, get back into the fight and try to kind of salvage the rescue, as we've seen with guys before, you know, for... Like Usman in the first uh, round, not as obviously not as badly hurt, but like give the guy a bit of space, let him see if he can get back into it. If you're not stopping it, or be in a position where you're, you know, you don't have to be two inches away. You can be maybe a meter away, and you can be ready. And the second you think it's over, just jump in. You like to, to be a top class referee. It's all about positioning and timing, and his positioning and timing were bore wrong when he was there at the end of it. He just completely blew it, like, and it was, oh, it was awful. But anyway, not to get into a Herb Dean rant again, but Usman, but like, where do you see Usman in the greatest fighters in the world? Because he has to be up there. You know, 13 wins in a row uh, against some of the best competition in the world, in one of the best uh, divisions in the world, you know, beating Burns, Masvidal, Covington, destroyed Woodley, beat Dosanios and Maya before that. Just a fantastic record, isn't he? You know, I think we, we respect Usman a lot and talk about his abilities and his improvements now to last night, as we saw. I just think he's... Uh, it's hard to say he's not on another level. You know, he only made his debut back in 2012. You know, I had only three fights up until 2014. So, you know, this guy's only, what, seven, eight years in the game, 33 years of age, which in, in MMA years is pretty young. He, this guy can improve and improve. He's just, he's really yeah. good, isn't he? Yeah. Well, pound for pound wise, if you're if you're including Habib, then he's he's probably four or five. And then if uh, if you're including if you're not including Habib, then he's probably you know three, mm-hmm. third third best in the world. You know, um, you can make an argument for him being ahead of Adesanya. Even I think I think Jones is, is you know depends on the drug testing. Like if you if you like I can understand completely if you want to take Jones out of the pound for pound listings for uh, for his uh, previous yeah. kind of drug problems and his ongoing uh, what is it like it's it's going to be in the system forever or something apparently or mm. for for a long time. So it's kind of some sketchy grounds there that you could like you could see the argument of him being you know even number one if if habib is is retired i think if habib's still there you have to put habib there yeah. but you know he's he's up there with the with the very best anyway usman is i i want to see that fight like habib versus usman he can't he came out last night and he called out yeah versus usman I like thought, yeah that? i'd like to see that as well yeah but i don't think they're gonna fight i, I don't know they're friends and stuff and i don't i don't think they're gonna and i, I don't i don't know how to send his friends. didn't didn't like burns and him were friends and it's true. It, 
you know, Usman said, like, once you come into his cage or whatever, you're not friends anymore. So, which would you, which would you rather see, Adesanya, Usman, or Usman versus Habib? Oh, um, oh, I'd love to see both, but probably, probably Habib. Uh, yeah, I think that Habib just versus Usman fight. Yeah, I think just that's the best fight in the UFC. Happens, like, yeah. I can't think of a better fight in the UFC that I'd rather see, like that I don't know who would win. Absolutely, I have no idea. At the very, what about very John Jones fight. versus your boy Francis? Did I see that? Uh, yeah, okay. Don't be bringing up fights now that I obviously want to see more. But like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. That's a great fight as well. But like, there's there's so many. Like if if Habib is coming back, you know, we talk can talk about Habib till the house the, the cows come home and everything like that. The weird the weird thing about this Habib. Uh, just a, a quick aside here uh, this Habib Dana White thing you know everyone in the media is like oh leave him alone you know Dana White he wants to retire just leave him go Habib is gonna be back lads we all kinda know it don't we you know yeah. wh- he just he- likes to fight once a year and he yeah. and like you know he's that's probably what he's gonna continue to do that's what that's my prediction anyway yeah but even if he does give up his belt and he doesn't fight this year he'll be back anyway like there's there's no way Habib's not gonna be back you're fucking fooling yourself if you think Habib's not gonna be back what is he like 30 years of age 29 and all he can like he's he's beaten most people in that division pretty handily like that's the thing about Habib as well. I was talking to Luke Thomas before the the McGregor fight. I had him on. And we were talking. We weren't talking about the uh, when we were talking about Habib. Aside from McGregor and Poirier, and Luke was saying, you know, he you know he doesn't know anyone anything. He's happy when someone walks away, and I'm the same. But I feel like Habib is a guy who is leaving MMA kind of untested. You know, okay, he had the tough glace and Tebow fight when he was on the way up, but as a top top fighter. Very untested. You can't really say the same about any pound for pound grace like that. Look, you know, look at John Jones tested really hard against Reyes and the other lads and Gustafson. Look at uh, Anderson Silva tested against Chael Sonnen and others. GSP against yeah, Hendricks. Poor, poor you know. Ali <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but you know what I mean. Like I would love to see Habib tested, and I think the test is welterweight, and I think the test is Usman. That is the fight. You know, Dan White and everyone is saying, oh, you know, if the right fight have comes up for Habib if the right guy emerges well he fucking emerged last yeah. night and his name is Cameron Usman yeah, and it would take away all the problems of Habib not being able to make weight like you know a lot of the time yeah. or uh, you know he, obviously it's 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 been well documented for years how difficult it is for him to make weight and he's missed weight and been hospitalised and all that stuff um, like repeatedly so that takes away all that and he can just concentrate on working in the gym and you know maybe that would be uh, you know uh, much easier option for him but yeah. as I said like if, if he was gonna if if Usman wasn't the champion and it was a nice style matchup there I think he would have moved up already so you know I think Ooh. I don't think he's hiding from Usman or anything but I think you know it's just a better business career decision not to go up there yeah. uh, to this point but now that he's he, he's saying oh he's not, there's nobody interesting for him in the lightweight division he's cleared it out he's saying all this stuff so if if you know if he wants to come back, which I think he will at some stage, if not already, and is always planning to come back, then yeah, I think now makes more sense. The timing now for the Usman fight makes more sense than ever. Yeah, Habib always talks about legacy. You know, he always talks about being the best. He always talks about competition. Well, if that's true, and we all buy into it, Usman is the fight. You know, McGregor's not the fight for that. Uh, Poirier is not the fight for that. Oliveira is not the fight for that. Usman is the fight for that. You know, McGregor might get you 3 million pay-per-view buys, and it might get you, you know, 50 million in the bank or whatever it is. But if you're true and you're, you know, all this talk and all this guff about legacy and all this, Usman is the fight. 
because that will change your legacy forever. You go up and you beat Usman, you walk away at 30, you know? That. Yeah, he's saying he's, he's saying he wants a challenge. He was wait, like, you know, he wants to see somebody step up and make it interesting. Well, you know, <laughs> Usman's there. He's kind of done the same thing now. He's kind of cleaned out the division pretty much mm-hmm. uh, at the division above. So, yeah, I, like, it just it, it makes more sense now than ever. And uh, it'd be a, a brilliant fight to watch. It'd be so interesting to see how the grappling looks and... Obviously, um, you know, Usman's a bigger guy. Better striker, but, though. Uh, yeah, well, Habib has that kind of awkward striking, though. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's a, it's a bit of Keith Jardine-ness to him where it doesn't look the best, but it seems to be more effective than it, it, it looks like it would be. So, um, yeah, um, it'd, be, it'd be so interesting to see. Like, it, it, if he tries to chain a bunch of takedowns together, relentlessly, will... Usman just be able to put him on his back or just outstrength him or out wrestle him. I'd love to see. I'd love to see all these uh, questions answered. Me too. Let's let's make it happen. Hashtag Usman versus uh, Habib. Let's, let's make it. Uh, let's make it happen. But uh, yeah, great fight anyway. And um, you know we, we'll uh, we'll see what's next. I suppose it's Ariel tweeting about Usman versus Masvidal in tough because Covington is going to fight Edwards. It looks like so. You know, interesting times mm. ahead. I don't want that at all. I, I love to see Covington versus Edwards. Fantastic fight, but. Uh, you know, Usman versus Matt. Like, I was looking at BT put up a thing today. Usman has beaten everyone in, like, the top seven or eight, apart from Wonderboy and Chiesa. Like, okay, I'm a Wonderboy stand, but why is Wonderboy not next? You know, there's a reason people don't want to fight him. There's a reason why he's not coming out of people's mouths. It's because he's so good. You know, that'd be a tough fight. I'd probably pick Usman to win. Don't get, don't get me wrong, but that's a tough matchup and a tough fight. If Gilbert Burns can knock him down in the first round like he did last night, what do you think Wonderboy can do to him? So... That's an in, I, he that's can probably a like, circle, circle away against the cage. And <laughs> yeah, but, I don't know. Is is Usman going to play the same like negative think, game think, that Woodley played? You know, know, in the Usman Burns fight, Burns really went for it in a way that Wonderboy doesn't. Wonderboy's much more calculated and kind of, you know, wait, wait for the shot. But you know, uh, he's he's made some historically really good wrestlers like Hendrix and yep. McDonald look like absolute clowns in there uh, trying to get trying to get near him to even try and take him down so yeah that's definitely a really interesting fight um, I'd love to see that as well but the, the Habib one just has, is a little bit more intriguing to me but uh, if Habib's not coming back then you know as you said he's pre- pretty much cleared out the rest of the division so Wonderboy would make a lot of sense yeah. maybe if Wonderboy could you know go in there and get a nice finish it might uh, catapult him up there or I know he's not the call out type, but he's more the he's a little bit too respectful, if if anything, and too nice. But you know, if he wants another t- shot at the title, he needs to make it happen soon. He's not getting any younger. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So yeah, I'd love to see that fight as well. But uh, I, I would prefer the Habib fight. But if if Habib's not going to come back or not going to come back and fight at one seventy, then uh, the next fight is probably that that would be most interesting is the Wonder Boy fight, and mm-hmm. it definitely has some. Uh, so he has some clear ways to. He has a clear way anyway to to win the fight. Yeah. Um. So yeah, definitely be interested in seeing that. Let's make it happen. Uh. Right. Let's run through the rest of this card. Uh. Pretty quickly. I thought it was a really good card. You know, we said last week it was a good card, but maybe not many names. Obviously, a few fights uh, fell out uh, as well. Bobby Green. Uh, there was an issue with his kidneys. Actually, um. Eric McGracken put up the um an article about it and I clicked on it last night and I fucking forgot to read it but something something happened definitely with his kidneys anyway and that Jim Miller fight uh, fell out Gillian uh, Robertson and Miranda Maverick as well fell out uh, but Robertson she started vomiting in the middle of the night I believe and the fight uh 
that fight was cancelled as well. So two fights, and you know, uh, Uriah Hall versus Chris Weidman was supposed to be on this as well, but that's been uh, moved up as well. As uh, Chris Weidman, I believe, got Dorona, so that's very unfortunate. And um, Jimmy Rivera as well. Jimmy Rivera, oh yeah, who's Jimmy Rivera supposed to fight in this? Um, oh yeah, that it was, was uh, Pedro Munez. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. The, the one I picked as a draw. I picked two fights as a draw, and both of them fucking fell out. So no, that's what you get for doing the betting show a day early. <laughs> oh yeah, that is true. Actually, yeah, that is true. Um, right. So from bottom to top, uh, Gabriel Green versus Philip Raw. Um, calf kicks. Again, in this one, a lot of calf kicks landed uh, by Gabriel Green, which we saw a couple of times throughout the fight. Uh, and a good performance. Two good guys, you know, who I think it was both their UFC debuts, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, and like, I think one was 7-2 and two or something like that. Got a pretty good fight between uh, two uh, up-and-coming welterweights. So a good one there. I really enjoyed Chris Gutierrez versus Andre Ewell. Um, Chris Gutierrez at one stage threw a vaulted kick to the dome <laughs> off the cage absolutely brilliant um i thought he you know Ewell, Ewell got knocked down at the end of the first round it was a very interesting one in terms of like judging because uh, he kind of got kicked knocked down looked like a hard shot but to me watch, watching the replay and watching it live he got up very quickly and kind of got to the cage and it didn't seem to have like a huge effect on him and it's an interesting one from a judging point of view because i think he was winning that round up until then and we saw two judges gave him that round uh, as well so it was one of those rounds where it can go either way and i think uh i think it's probably good judging that uh from those two that didn't give him around but i, I can't say anything about the judge that, that give did give him the round uh, as well so um or, or the one judge that didn't give him the round sorry um so it was a, a very very good fight gutierrez kind of just took over he was kicking to the head kicking to the body kicking to the legs all over just really really good and uh, a fantastic uh, fantastic fight there uh pollyanna vienna got a lovely amber an armbar? We were only talking about it last week. We said, bring back the armbar, and it came back here. I thought after this, Joe Rogan, and I'm not going to talk about the commentary because it was fucking shit, but that was, I leave it at that. Um, Joe Rogan came out and asked her about beating up a man who's untrained on the street two years ago. Two years ago, after she just won against Mallory Martin, another trained athlete in the UFC. I'm like, what the fuck is this about? You're talking about beating... I, of course she's going to beat up a man. She's going to, If a man is untrained, if he's not a fucking UFC fighter, of course she's going to beat each other. She's a professional fucking MMA fighter. What do you expect? I thought it was unbelievably fucking disrespect. I'm not going to throw out sexes out there. I'm not going to go fucking St. Johnny on it. like. But it was fucking disgusting. Not disgusting. That was a bit harsh. But it was stupid. It was really fucking annoying. Ask her about the fight. Did, okay, when it happened two years ago, absolutely do an interview or ask her about it. It was like, how's your life changed since that? No, you know, because she kind of blew up after it but it was two fucking years ago please concentrate on a beautiful armbar she got beautiful display of jiu-jitsu and ground game from vienna very annoying fucking fucking joe rogan's oh he's himself with carmia are the worst together oh and they made each other laugh though in fairness uh, that's mission uh, accomplished it is unwatchable unlistenable to be honest it's fucking atrocious but anyway um Bilal Mohammed versus I thought, uh, you, I thought you'd been gotten to about your <laughs> Daniel Cormier Car- what happened I blame Rogan more, more than you Carmier. escaped the clutches of the yeah. overlords because Cormier wasn't that bad for the last couple of weeks there when he was by himself or with Paul Felder and stuff still no, I'm still not a big fan but he, with Rogan he's just terrible like and Ro- Rogan's worse don't get me wrong Rogan has elevated beca- oh I don't know anyway I'll, I'll just leave um Bilal Muhammad against Diego Lima. I thought Bilal looked fantastic here. Just his pressure is so good. Very interesting as well here. The the calf kicks. We'll talk about him again. And someone asked me last night, 
about the calf kicks and I was thinking about it like who gets kicked with calf kicks all the time if you think about it Bilal Mohammed here what was he doing he was pressuring Lima McGregor against Poria what was he doing he was pressuring Lima Diakasi against Closa what was he doing he was pressuring him and do you know what all the three of them were doing as well they were all winning the fight so to win the fight with pressure but the pressure is the reason that you're getting your calf kicked and you end up losing the fight. It's an awful difficult thing to adjust from a winning strategy because it's going to make you lose, you know? It's, it's a weird one. It's a real catch-22 situation because the pressure is winning you the fight, but the pressure is also getting your calf kicked off you. And it's a very interesting one. Bilal Mohammed came out afterwards and he said, I trained with Paul Felder. You know, Paul Felder kicked the calf off me. I was used to it. That, that, you know, and McGregor said afterwards he'd never trained that before. He wasn't used to it. That's the difference. You know, we talked about it after McGregor fight. He needs to prepare for that. And, you know, if he's not prepared for that properly, he needs to go somewhere who c- can help him prepare for it. Maybe Paul Felder. You know, I know he's on about fighting Paul Felder and stuff before as well. But flying Paul Felder. I'm sure Paul Felder would love to come to Ireland for uh, for a month, uh, a bit of training. You know, be a perfect sparring partner for uh, for McGregor to prepare for uh, Dustin Poirier. Now, my, maybe that's not going to happen because he'll fight in the future. But you know what I mean? Like someone like that would be absolutely perfect. But I thought it was uh, I thought it was an interesting look at the calf kick again. It's something we've discussed obviously a lot over the last while. But however, beautiful performance from Bilal Muhammad buried in the middle of this card when he's ranked in one of the best divisions in the world against Diego Lima, who's a good fighter and who, to be honest, made Bilal look good. I, I thought he was very good. But he was you as impressed by Bilal as I was? You know, I kind of give him the big build-up coming into this fight, doing the rewatch and stuff about him. But I thought he was very good. Yeah, he was completely dominant. Um, you know, like, you know, you, you in the betting show, one of your bets was that he was going to get a finish. And early in, in the first round, it looked like it was inevitable. But in fairness to Lima, he kind of stuck it out. He, he, he didn't do too much to challenge him, but he, he kind of, you know, he survived. Um, yeah, I think, you know, um, it was just a, it was just a different class of striking. Um, uh, Lima, like you know, he's he's kind of he's good everywhere, but he's not really great anywhere. It was a it was a nice style matchup for Mohammed to kind of showcase his, his yeah. striking ability. Um, it would have been you know nice to to finish it off with some kind of fit or to get some kind of finish, but without a finish, this is kind of as dominant as 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 uh, well not as dominant as it gets. We've seen like you know. 3023s and stuff like that but he was never in any any danger mm-hmm. um as you said he just kind of took the leg kicks um uh they weren't pull, too much of a problem he at, pulled the leg out the way a lot didn't he kind of checked him not not even just checked him but kind of avoided him a lot and you could tell he was used to him like you know those uh, yeah those kicks on. I, it was one of those ones as well where it, in the third round you know he got the takedown and he managed to get it on his back and he he had the choke almost there in the last couple of seconds of the fight and you just feel like you know if uh if you had bet on the finish it would have been like fuck it why didn't he do that in the first round not that why didn't he do that in the first round but like <laughs> why didn't lima kind of give up that takedown kind of in the first round? Finished. yeah yeah, yeah. Lima's is tough though and you know both those lima brothers and that's what you get as well training which are one of the best fighters in the world your brother non-stop you're you're used to getting the shit beat out of you you know uh to put it in uh mild terms and you're used to being in there against world-class fighters and you're not gonna fucking you know wilt under that pressure and uh, diego lima absolutely didn't do that so uh, great job from uh from because that's a tough thing to come up against as well you know someone who just won't go away uh and uh, uh good you know, good performance from both guys but um um the next fight, uh, a, a win for Jiu Jitsu, from, oh. uh, <laughs> according to Andrew McGowan. The seven time, seven time, seven time, seven time, seven time, seven time, seven time Jiu Jitsu champion of the world, 
submitted by a purple belt. <laughs> Lads, if anyone ever says jiu-jitsu works again, you're fucking delusional. Like, you're fucking... You're but kidding it's, it's, yourself. It's a win for jiu-jitsu, no? A win for jiu-jitsu! <laughs> a seven-time world champion! Imagine if I went in there and beat fucking Michael Van Gerwen in a game of darts. Would you say that's a win for darts? You would say that's a win for fucking darts being not fucking working. You know, some fucking fat lad swinging a bite of harp is beating fucking Michael Van Gerwen. What the fuck? Well, a fat lad beat, drinking a pint of harp beating Michael Gerwen has probably happened before yeah, in, uh, in darts. Yeah, like this fight was... Uh, I was talking to uh, to Ian and, you know, I, I'd given the bet about Vieira maybe getting the, the finish. I looked at one stage, actually, when he had the back, like he might, uh, in terms of uh, the KO. Uh, and Ian was like... Um, Oh, you know, he looked dangerous there in the back. This is the sort of situation where he might get the finish. And I was like, thinking to myself, he wasn't able to submit him. He got the fight down to the ground after, what, fucking 10 seconds. Dry. On his back. Everything in the mount. And he wasn't able to submit him. Like, from that, from the second minute on, that fight was over. Like, Vera can't win the fight. You know, he can't submit him. He could not submit him. So how has he got to win the well, fight? he only had one round of gas as well, so that was yeah. uh, another big problem for him. Yeah. yeah, he just, like, the second he got back on the feet, Hernandez just tied with him. He just beat the fucking head off him. And look, I thought Vieira actually did a good job to kind of survive. He got, you know, he tried to get him down to the ground, and, he, you know, he did at one stage as well. But Hernandez wasn't afraid of him because he knew at that stage, you know, this whole thing, you punch a black belt and he becomes a brown belt and you punch him again and he becomes a purple belt or whatever. And by the end of this, he was a fucking one stripe white belt because Hernandez <laughs> first day beginner <laughs> yeah, he was like me going in there fucking rolling because Hernandez just tied with him like just absolutely and the, the, you know the thing about this I know I would joke about Jiu Jitsu and all but Jiu Jitsu in a real fight like this was is great if you have everything else if you have the cardio, if you have the striking, if you have the wrestling, brilliant. I think even without the, the striking, like if you have a few sneaky takedowns, yeah. like, you know, a Damian Maya, like a few trips here, unorthodox takedowns, and, and you have a, a heavy ground game with cardio, like it's it's a different story. But if you go in there with one round of cardio and you need you need to submit the guy in the in, in the kind of first grappling exchange or you're fucked, that's, that's a big problem. Yeah, jiu-jitsu is... Alone is a useless base for MMA now. You know, it used to be the best. Jiu-Jitsu alone would win you everything in UFC 1. But now, as we see here, seven-time, seven-time world champion. Getting fucking submitted by... And who's Anthony Hernandez? Never even heard of him, you know? Destroyed. Jiu-Jitsu doesn't It's completely work. different no. than when you're getting punched in the face, even in the even on the ground. Like, take out the striking and just make it MMA grappling as opposed to Jiu-Jitsu. It's, it's completely different. Yeah, yeah, indeed. So, uh... <laughs> I got to I got to throw Liverpool fans and Jiu Jitsu fans both in the same day. It was fucking just a great day for me yesterday, and I was so absolutely fantastic. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone! Um, right, uh, the main card then: Julian Marquez, Maki Patola, back and forth, kind of mad fight. Um, Julian Marquez, I thought early looked a bit ring rushed. He hadn't been around in a while, uh, but he was able to get the Anaconda choke late, and uh, you know, a good fight. I don't know if he get on. Let me just look at the bonuses here. I think he probably got a bonus today. Uh, oh, if I can click on it, it won't work. One hit, I can. Here we go. Uh, yeah, he did get a bonus. So Usman Hernandez and Pollyanna Venya as well got the four of them got bonuses. So a very good performance him. Uh, Ricky Simon against Brian Keller, not a great fight. Uh, Ricky Simon kind of kept taking him down. Keller got his face bursted with uh, was an elbow or something I think uh, early, uh, and he won the thirty twenty seven. Graham Gaslam Heinish, you're gonna have to run through this because I fell asleep. <laughs> I missed this, and I got a phone call to wake me up for the call, man. I mean, I saw a couple of people saying 
Ian Heiner should have won this. I saw another couple of people saying, ah, oh, no, it was either 30-27 Gastelum or 29-28 Gastelum. What, what way did you see it? Yeah, I thought the, uh, you know, the, the first two rounds were, were pretty clear for Gastelum. Um, the first was, there was uh, it was a few moments, but uh, the third one, I, I, I could see for Heinrich was another very close round. But uh, yeah, I think, I think uh, Gastelum was the, the worthy winner. Uh, I, you know, when the decision was being announced, I was, I was fully expecting it to be Gastelum. And then when it was unanimous, you were kind of sure it was Gastelum. Uh, but you know, there were some close rounds in there. The second was kind of the most clear and that was, that was, that was Gastelum. I don't think anybody would be arguing about that one. But you said some people are saying thirty twenty seven, but I don't really see that. Yeah, uh, yeah but uh, you know, Gastelum just, you know, he's just uh, fought. He, although he's been on a losing streak, he's been fighting, you know, a much higher caliber of, of fighter, and that kind of showed here just that he's just on a different level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll go back and watch that as well. And uh, Patreon.com for us my podcast. I'll have the Q and A this week, so I'll talk a little bit about uh, that there as well because uh, yeah. we were recording this earlier, and I'm them to miss it, but. Um, Look, a good win for Gastelum. I suppose you know a lot of people coming in were, were talking about uh, a good win in terms of uh, his ranking and everything like that. A lot, a lot of people were talking about could this be his last fight in the UFC? You know, had lost his last three in a row to Hermanson Till and Adesanya. So a good win to get him kind of back in the win column and back towards uh, the top. You know, he was very close to beating Israel Adesanya not too long ago. Was in a good fight with him anyway. Won the fights of the year, the, the fight of the year. Uh, so uh, you know, good to see Gastelum kind of back in in, in winning ways anyway. So. Um, um, the co-main event in Alexa Grasso versus, as my Alexa goes off in the background, against <laughs> Macy Barber. Um, I thought it was a very fun fight where Alexa Grasso was just clearly the superior fighter. Um, Macy Barber was like had this kind of full pressure and kind of power striker game when Grasso was just a much more powerful striker. I thought she was more technical. She used her jab more crisp well. and clean. Yeah, yeah. 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 Barbara was more kind of trying to get in your face and just kind of make it difficult. But it was more technical from from Grasso on the feet. In the third round, obviously Barbara, I give the third round to Barbara. She kind of upped the ante and just kind of maybe had more in the tank. But you also got to factor in maybe Grasso kind of knew she had the first two rounds of the bag and didn't really need to exchange. Uh, exchange with Barber but um, you know it was it, it was the first round was close enough but it was just the cleaner the cleaner work on the feet from, from Grasso uh, won the round for obviously the second round was all Grasso and the third round was all Barber so it, it, you know I think uh, I think Grasso is better suited to this weight class uh, obviously moving up weight classes it doesn't always work but sometimes when you're cutting so much weight to get there it takes away from your, your training camp and your, your in, in ring or in cage performance so yeah, uh, I think you know it's a it's a big win for Grasso. I, I thought it was going to be a close fight, could have went either way, and uh, you know um, before the fight, but uh, yeah, Grasso was was clearly the superior uh, fighter, and w- with two rounds with two rounds in the bag, I think she kind of coasted in the third round. A little bit. Um, yeah. If if she hadn't needed to make it happen, it felt like she she probably she probably could have and would have. Yeah, I think the end of the second round as well, where she showed her jiu-jitsu acumen very, very good. You know, ground game is obviously improving as well. It's funny, when you look at uh, Macy Barber, her body type, it seems to be like the body type of a Jessica Andrade or a John Lineker or something like that kind of squat, powerful, throws big hooks. But she doesn't seem to carry that power with it. You know, it's, it's an odd one. It's... um. 
I don't know maybe it's something where if she went to someone like a Trevor Whitman and was training there because yeah. she could improve like Macy it's more Marler, of like a boxer size punch there's, there's no like you know it's not like clean crisp technique it's more just I'm pressuring you I'm trying to be relentless and get in your face and barrage to kind of overwhelm you but Grasso's Grasso's you know she's probably seen that a lot in the gym her, her striking her boxing especially was, was just far superior yeah I think I think boxer size is a little bit harsh but I think I think you're the the you know what the spirit of what you're saying is right in terms of like it is more about kind of pressure and just getting in her face than like look at Bilal Muhammad he goes you know he dips down throws a jab to the body comes up with a, a kind of uh, you know turns Head in movement yeah with a leap yeah. and left hook or Faints. yeah just yeah you know, the fence yeah the fence of Bilal absolutely unbelievable whereas like I feel like it, you know. Grasso could, or um, Barbara could turn it around still. And it's not to turn it around, you know, she's young and everything, but you look at someone, even like Gilbert Burns or, or uh, you know, Rafael Dos Anjos, or when the, someone has, like, uh, you can clearly see their athletic ability. Um, that never ruled that person out, you know. If they can put a bit of technique with a get to the right camp, those people are the most dangerous in MMA because we don't have many really good athletic people. And I think Messi Barber is one of them. She, you know, she's fast and she's good ever. You even saw in the third round. Like the third round, I don't think much happened, to be honest. It's nearly, that was nearly a fucking effective aggression round for, for Barber. There was hardly a punch landed in that uh, that third round, hardly an effective one anyway. But, um, you know, she stayed in there and her cardio is good as well. And coming back from injury, it's a tough fight. Yeah, you know, I think over a year out, a bad knee injury, like the, the first kind of major injury of your career um you know it might have been a bit of ring rust there or also a case of in the camp or in the lead up you're more kind of focused on getting back to to where yeah. you were before you injured your knee before you had to kind of stop training and weren't able to do a lot of a lot of the workouts or whatever mm-hmm. and rehabbing the knee and I've, I've had a torn acl twice myself and you know you never think about your knee before but afterwards it's, it's always in your mind um so yeah so it's it's you know, it's 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 not it's not it is no shame in the loss. Uh, it was, mm-hmm. you know, she showed she showed uh, toughness and you know she showed aggression and she showed that she's she's game and all that stuff and with with a, with, a, with hopefully the knee is back to you know normal now and she can focus on kind of improving in the gym and yeah. there's a you know a good a good fight to look back on and kind of show where it went wrong and you know the Roxy fight was a bit of a different story because the knee was injured and. Um, it's just hard to take much away from that one, but this one there's, there's definitely you know stuff to go back to the drawing board with and and add to and, and you know hopefully she can she can put the knee injury behind her and you know concentrate on getting better fight to fight and maybe take a little bit of a backwards backwards step from you know people like Alexa Grasso at the top the top of the division. Yeah, hundred percent. I think Grasso has time to to move around towards you know the top of the division uh, as well again, and I think she deserves a big fight after it. So looking forward to what both of them do over the next uh, couple of years. So uh, really enjoyed that. Graham, before we talk about next week's card, did you see this uh, tweet from uh, from Cub Swanson there yesterday where he was saying all. Anyone covering MMA should have to tr- take three amateur fights before they're allowed to cover MMA. Uh, <laughs> just pretty, pretty ludicrous, to be honest. Oh, so someone who's in a wheelchair can cover MMA. Is that it? Yeah, that's what you want? Uh, okay, yeah, let's do that. That, that seems fair. Uh, you know, Matt Brown came out then and goes, 
I think it's interesting to have an outside perspective or someone looking at it and someone who can look at it without, uh, you know, without the, the eye of being someone who is part of it or in it at all times, which is obviously, you know, <laughs> probably the truth of it, what, probably what most people do. But it's interesting because this question obviously pops up all the time. It's like, why do you talk? We, we just talked for the last fucking 46 minutes about fights and stuff like that. But I've always said, and the way I've always looked at it is like, if Dominic Cruz came on here and broke down a fight, He's obviously going to say different things to me and say absolutely right things and all to do it right. But what I'm doing, I've been watching this sport for fucking, how many years? What year have we now? Fucking 15 years or whatever it is, or 10 years, whatever it is. I'm looking at this as a fan who got into MMA, who has done, like, I joke about jiu-jitsu. When I started watching MMA first, I used to watch hours and hours and hours of, like, jiu-jitsu tutorials on uh on youtube i used to watch like different boxing things mma tutorials all these different things on youtube all the time watch hundreds and thousands of fights thousands of fights and <laughs> i feel like if you do that and me me i feel like i have a, a pretty analytical mind you know I, I went to uh to college to study maths i have a degree in math i look at things like a plus b equals c and i feel like having watched thousands of fights and seeing what people do and how it works and what it leads to is a thing that actually exists, you know? If you're a fucking engineer, you don't have to go out and build a building. If you know what works, if you can add A plus B equals C and a fucking bridge turns up, it doesn't mean you have to go out and build it. <laughs> you know, it doesn't mean that that won't exist or that that isn't an actual thing. I think it's... Look, obviously, if you... If you're talking about certain things, if you're talking about... We talk about it all the time, the pressure of it. And I think you haven't been there in uh, at fights in the background. You see the pressure of people. I think that's a very interesting thing that I could never really talk about, having not been there and looked at the pressure behind the scenes. So I, right, I don't really talk about that. Don't talk about kind of camps, what's happening in there most of the time, unless something comes to the fight and someone says afterwards, I'm not prepared or didn't do this or, you know... It's, it's, there's certain parts of MMA, obviously, that certain people can't talk about, or, you know, fighters, I'm sure, can't talk about fucking media and things like that. It's, it's a, it works a different way, but I think quite, you know, what Cub said was, I think, trying to kind of irritate people. So, and it was funny. I, like, I, I thought it was, uh, he, the way he kind of got clowned was a bit funny, but like, it's I, probably somebody says, some article said something about him that he didn't like, yeah. and, you know, how sensitive uh, MMA fighters can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Like, and look, I think uh, in, in that situation, the, the problem with that as well is, the vast majority of MMA media are terrible, <laughs> you know, and, you know, could probably do with getting the fucking head bit off a couple of times, which maybe I could as well, people would argue as well, but like, yeah, it's, I'm not coming out saying MMA media is some sanctity that like, uh, oh, you know, we were untouchable or anything like that, but like, how would me going out getting the shit beat out of me for the next three weeks in a row help me to, to talk about the fights last night? It'd probably hinder me, if, if anything, like, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I, it's a, it's one where I can I can understand obviously training and doing different things could, absolutely could help and give you a different perspective and if, if there was somewhere around here that fucking did it I probably would be doing it but like it's it's not available for everyone either like I couldn't just go up and start fucking training now in jiu-jitsu or MMA or boxing there's nowhere near me that does it I just couldn't physically do it and you know I said if, I know it was it was obviously a uh, an absurd. Or, or uh, you know, a far-reaching one, but like someone with a disability or something like. That. I remember I was talking to one. Man, you can you can you can hop on the Gracie Academy there and get <laughs> yeah, some uh, subscription services going there, and you'd be a black belt through yeah. the mail in no time. I, I was talking to this lad before. It was funny. I met him at a wedding, and he had he had like a a disability, and he was. Uh, 
he was a big MMA fan and listened to the podcast and different things. And he was go- literally in like the next month or something going to college to study journalism. And he says like, I want to cover MMA. Like this lad has been following it for, for fucking 17 or 18 years of age or whatever. He's following it for years, wants to go and study for four years to become a journalist to cover MMA. Imagine telling that lad because he couldn't have a fight that he shouldn't be covering MMA or shouldn't doing it. Yeah, that you seems tell him he shouldn't unfair. be covering MMA because he, <laughs> yeah, if he's going to do four years, like, he's got a, a better paying job. <laughs> don't do it. Yeah, and as well, the, like covering MMA is some privilege. First of all, all you have to do is just fucking pick up a mic and <laughs> record a podcast and put it out there for fucking free or start your own blog or whatever. And there's loads of people to get you to, to write for free. Uh, or just, and, just have a guess at what the URL for applying for UFC events is and exactly. then just apply and they'll, they'll give it to you. Exactly. Or, and as well, yeah, some like privilege, oh, MMA, you know, we should t- to get into it. So we have to take three fights to not get paid for a fucking decade to get dogs abuse, <laughs> you know, to probably not get credentialed for most people. Like, I think brain damage for these <laughs> MMA media members is, is not a good idea. No, probably not. <laughs> probably not it's bad enough as it is with most of them. <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's true all right here let's have a quick look ahead to the card next weekend obviously if over the next while there's a lot of big heavyweight fights coming and we saw the overeem fight uh last week as well uh but next week the main event and on a, on a card here which i'm looking at wikipedia is still like pieced up so <laughs> i don't know what's happened with it but the main event is curtis blades versus Derek lewis and i did the uh, I, I've recorded the rewatch already for next Thursday, so it's uh, what is it, Shamil Abdurahimov versus Curtis Blades, which I think is probably actually a good fight <laughs> to go back and watch, uh, for this one. And watching it, it made me really think that Lewis has almost no chance here, it's <laughs> just a very, very slim chance against Curtis Blades. Like, Blades is such a, a more technical fighter, he's heavy on top, you know, he can. He well, I, I, his striking is good. He sometimes get hit, gets hit, which I'm sure Derek Lewis will be trying to do. But I think this is a a really difficult, about as difficult a fight as you can get for Derek Lewis outside of a championship fight. Do you do you kind of see it the same way, or do you think Derek Lewis has a chance in this one? Yeah, I think like do you think if Derek Lewis was still more big and fast as he used to be, that he'd have more of a chance in this fight of just catching him with a a bigger punch or some kind of ground and pound shot than to kind of slim down. Uh, Derek Lewis we've seen recently yeah I actually do like I've uh, and the reason for that as well like Shammy in th- that fight I went back and watched he fucking hit Derek Lewis with a big shot in that and our uh, not Derek Lewis what's his name Blades with a big shot in that and like if like and in that as well what what Blades is really good at right he gets on top he, he's, he can strike and he can throw his big shots and he's hurt people and knock them out in the path but what he's really good at is being heavy on top getting on top of you you know grinding you out not maybe not habib style but habib style of kind of pressure and just making it tough on you getting you know the hands around the neck making you move and what you need to kind of counteract that is to get to the hip, get to the cage, pull back up and get out free. That's what you need to do. Now, <laughs> Derek Lewis does that, but in a very different way. He just stands up because he's so big <laughs> and powerful. And maybe being bigger and trying to get out that way and just getting out from the grasp of Blades might be better. I think he's become more technical as a, as a striker and maybe as a, as a tactician. I don't know as he become more technical on the ground, and I, all the things I mentioned there, I'm sure jiu-jitsu experts will tell me, are more technical uh, aspects of the game. So, it's 
I think that the technical aspect of his striking will actually see him in more danger of getting taken down without putting Curtis Blades in more danger, if you know what I mean. Like, if he's throwing uppercuts or throwing big shots and making Curtis Blades think about it, it's, you know, okay, it might make it tougher for Curtis Blades because he'll get hit. It might make it easier for Curtis Blades because he's more open, but I think a static Derek Lewis is a very easy target for Curtis Blades. Like, watch any of his fights. Blades is one of these guys who can, you know, McGregor's always talk about it with the, the guys fighting Aldo. You know, they'd shoot across from halfway across the cage and you'd see him from a mile away and able to defend it. Uh, Blades is one of those guys at heavyweight, especially against a slower guy like Lewis, who can do that from the other side of the cage, cover ground very quickly and get takedowns. So... I don't know. I think it's maybe a little bit of a catch twenty two here for Derek Lewis. It's I don't think either Derek Lewis has much yeah. of a chance to be honest. What do you think? Oh, I think he need, like it's very likely Derek Lewis needs a finish uh, on the feet or on, in some kind of ground and pound situation or something like that to to win here. Like I really can't see Derek Lewis winning a, a five round decision here. You know, uh, you know, m- you know, it's possible. Maybe he could do some damage to. To Curtis Blades legs with some leg kicks or something like that and you know grind it out but I, I don't really see that happening I think Derek Lewis is going to come out he's going to come out strong and fast and try to get a finish early if he's going to if he's going to win this fight so it's it's heavyweight you know these guys hit very hard and if you if Derek Lewis hits you in the right spot like uh, you're going to sleep so it's definitely possible but it's it's kind of like you know punch chance kind of thing you know Curtis Blades should be able to should be able to dominate here, you know. He should be able to to win on the feet, and, and if he starts to get into trouble, he should be able to, you know. Even if he doesn't get into trouble, he should probably mix it up a bit with some takedowns. Tyre Lewis out, but if he gets into trouble, Derek Lewis isn't the hardest guy to take down either. When you're as kind of big and athletic as as Blades is, so yeah, it's a very, it's a very difficult fight for Lewis to win. But if he is going to win, he should probably, you know sprint out of the gates and try to, to knock his head off early. Yeah, it's going to be two big meaty men slapping meat here on Saturday night inside the cage over in Las Vegas. But yeah, like I, I think that's probably the way to go for Lewis too. Um, like, if, you, if Lewis, and he probably is trying to be this more technical, trying to be a better fighter, you know, you what you what do you want Derek Lewis doing? Let let's say okay, best case scenario, he he technically beats Curtis Blades. Well, what he'll have to do, I think, is kind of get double underhooks when Curtis Blades is coming in, pull him up, get his back to the cage and turn out, and then start landing the jabs. Get get Derek Lewis uh, in his realm and get. Curtis Blades has stopped thinking about the takedown because um, Lewis has defended it so well. I don't know for some reason. I Lewis and Blades are like very similar in my brain, and I I don't know which one I'm saying, but <laughs> that which is awkward in this fight. But that I think that's what Lewis needs to do initially if he's playing kind of that slower game, and I also think he needs to make make Blades pay for any mistakes he makes. It's an interesting one. Like it's a tough one. It's. It's similar to the matchup in, obviously, a very bigger way, but McGregor versus Habib. You know, you have to be very, very um, careful not to do something like draw a flying knee that'll get you taken down, but you also have to make him pay, which, you know, might be a flying knee <laughs> to, to hit him in the, across the head with. Um, but it's it's a real catch-22 start to situation. Derek Lewis will need to be very good because I really don't think... If this does get to the ground, Derek Lewis has that ability to just stand up with someone like Blades on top of him. And I think it'll probably be uh, an early finish. You know, I could see Blades finishing him. I know Lewis is tough and all, but I could see Blades taking him down and honestly finishing him in the first 
two to three minutes. I I think it could be one of those. But you look, it's it's a big fight for Blades because if you look at that division, it's it's he's the best of the of the rest. You know, you have Stipe, you have um, obviously Francis who's fighting Stipe coming up here soon, and then you have John Jones, and it's I think it's vital for Blades to kind of maintain his next spot there because. You have to be ready, okay? Like you have Rosenstruck and Ganya fighting coming up, and he maybe he'll fight the winner of that, or maybe he'll fight, uh, you know, Volkov. You know, a lot of these guys have, have fought before, and Blades has taken out, you know, a lot of good guys as well. But you have to, if you're a Curtis Blades, you're looking at this division, and you're kind of thinking it's it's sewn up for the next year. You know, he obviously beat Volkov in his last fight, and you know, and he beat over him before that. But the two losses to Francis. You can't slip up. And if you slip up against Derek Lewis, you're probably gone for a good long while because of that. It's going we know it's gonna be um John Jones probably fighting for the title in six or eight months' time. Because if especially if Steepy wins, he likes to take a good while out, he'll want to prepare correctly for John Jones. And then it's gonna be another six or eight months after that before one of them takes a fight again. And is it gonna be Blades then? Or is it gonna be, you know, Cormier returning or Adesanya? Is John Jones gonna go down and fight for the light heavyweight title? So it's this heavyweight division and you know, sometimes that can affect the fighter too. You know, it absolutely can. Maybe Blades won't be on it because he's thinking, Oh, I'm even if I win here, I might get a title shot for two years, you know. And it's a, it's a sad situation to be in and a, a sick situation to be in. Sick, sick is probably not the right word, but you know what I mean. It's it's a tough situation for uh, for Curtis Blades, but a uh, big fight and it's a it's a really a, a must win fight. Uh, and for Derek Lewis as well, you know, it's it's a big fight for Derek. He has got to this level before, you know. Derek fought for the title. You'd nearly forget that against Daniel Cormier uh, and lost, but he's the win over Volkov. He's the win over <laughs> Francis, amazingly, and you know that that rematch is always there, even with one of the worst fights of all time. But you know. 3-5 win streak now, beating uh, Ivanov, Latifi and Olenek, so Derek is back on a good run again, and you know, they love Derek, uh, I feel like if Derek won here, do, Graham, do you reckon if Derek wins, right, do you reckon, and I th- I've said it before, maybe, I don't know if I said it on this podcast, if it was on the Q&A or on Patreon or somewhere, but do you reckon Derek Lewis versus John Jones is a possible fight, because I, I think that's a very good fight, I think for John Jones, it's the perfect well, fight it's, it's, to move the heavyweight. introduce John Jones, yeah, I think he- yeah, yeah, I think you mentioned it on a podcast of me. I'm not sure if it's Patreon or this, but uh, yeah, I think, you know, if you're going to give John Jones a kind of warm-up fight, a kind of, you know, acclimatizing to heavyweight uh, fight, then I think it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really good fight to give him. Obviously, you know, everybody in the heavyweight division, well, nearly everybody in the division has big stopping power. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Jones would have a, wouldn't be at a, you know, he'd have a reach advantage, which he's used to. He'd, He'd have a wrestling advantage, a striking advantage. Like it would be an extremely difficult fight for for Derek Lewis. Like, but uh, you know, for John Jones, it would be it would be a you know one, nice one to dip his feet into the water. I'd probably like to see John Jones go in there against somebody that poses him kind of more problems or some kind of like style uh, problem that Derek Lewis doesn't really cause him, but. You know, John Jones has been out for a while. He's been inactive over the last few years, so he'd probably be he'd be advised to to take a Derek Lewis type fight. So yeah, yeah, I can I can see why it would why it would make sense. But yeah. I'd prefer to see John Jones just kind of thrown in there. To be honest, it's it's odd though because if you give John Jones a tougher fight, you know, maybe Blades is. is- Probably the other name we'd be thinking of if you're uh, suggesting, uh, the, you know, the other side of it. 
and that's a tougher fight for John Jones in like are you, you know you're putting at jeopardy in jeopardy even that big title fight you know the light heavyweight champion the once light heavyweight champion the greatest of all time moving up to fight for the heavyweight belt like if he loses you no longer have that if he win, you know, and you know, I think against Derek Lewis, there's no one in the world thinks I think that Derek Lewis has any chance of beating John Jones. Plus, it's you know a, two, a genuine two hundred and sixty-five pound guy probably going in there at fucking closer to three hundred than, than two hundred and sixty-five. Maybe not quite, but and that's a, the perfect preparation for John Jones, just for the size. Maybe not perfect preparation for Francis or for Stipe, but the perfect preparation for the size, for getting acclimated to know what, maybe, maybe to take it a round or two, to know what his cardio is like up the weight. And, you know, we don't do tune-up fights in MMA. We've almost never seen it. But I think for John Jones, I think he is this kind of smart, intelligent guy that would want one. And I think if he's willing to do it, I think maybe he can convince the UFC, um, but you know it'd probably still be John Jones for the title next. But I, I don't think that's should be out of the question in in a sport like this. But it probably is. But however, um, it looks like uh, according to topology here now, this might change. But it looks like Kellen Vieira versus Yannick Kunitskaya uh, is the co-main event here, and I think that's probably the right choice for co-main event because I think it's a very good fight. Uh, myself and Ian did the. Um, State of the UFC address, and we were kind of looking for women's bantamweights that to fight Amanda Nunes. Obviously, she's fighting in a couple of weeks at 145. That's her second fight at 145 in a row, so she's going to be coming back down. And no one has kind of uh, stuck out. And I think Vieira was the one this time. Well, maybe two years ago now at this stage in 2018, but this time last year, and and you know she was. Uh, <laughs> Or, or just a little bit before that, she was the one, I think, who everyone was naming as the next, you know, she was 10-0, she's going to be the next contender, can she give Nunes a fight, maybe not, but she'd beaten Zingano, beaten McMahon, beaten Evan Smith, good record, and then loses Saldana, you know, knocked out quick, came back and beat Sarge in a good fight, unanimous decision as well, I think if she can beat Kunitskaya here, I think she probably puts herself in line to be the next uh, to, to fight for the title. Obviously, Kunitskaya, you know, she she has beaten Marion and all, beaten Lena Landsberg in her return uh, to Bantamweight and, you know, has been around for a long time fighting uh, in Invicta, won their Bantamweight Championship as well. So that's a good fight. And I think for Vieira, you know, Juliana Pena is obviously there as well and other people. But if Vieira can win this, I think she can kind of earn her place back. Um at the top and you know 12 and 1 record it'd be very very good and i think yana kunitskaya would be a, a good win there as well so i'm looking forward uh to seeing that fight you, you like Vieira is a good fighter i know the, the obviously that big loss was will be held against her for a good while but do you like it's it's tin pickings really for amanda nunes and who she's going to fight next and maybe it will be shevchenko uh in in a super fight and maybe Vieira will have to take another fight but do you think like Vieira could put herself in the position here if she wins against Kunitskaya tweaking? Yeah, well, it depends what style she wins, and if she goes out there, dominates, finishes, and looks looks amazing, then yeah, maybe she could kind of catapult her way there. But I think she'd probably win this fight. But I think it's it's going to be a difficult fight to to kind of catapult yourself there into into people calling for you to get the title shot. It's, it, it could be a tricky enough fight, but she'd probably win. But if she does go out there and blow her out of the water and look spectacular, then, you know, uh, it could happen then. I think, you know, they're they're looking for somebody to kind of do that, to kind of step up and make themselves the contender because, uh, you know, the champion needs some some interesting 
some interesting matchups. She's kind of she's kind of done it all nearly. So some fresh, interesting matchups w- would be ideal for you think for what the UFC matchmakers are looking for. But these days with the UFC matchmakers, is, there's not much rhyme or reason to, to what they're doing from uh, uh, outside looking in anyway. For a lot of times, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, that would make sense to me anyway. And like you know, uh, fresh matchups are are always uh, preferable as well. Yeah, 100%. Um, on this card as well, you have Alexi Olnik versus uh, Chris Dawkins. Obviously, Dawkins uh, came into the UFC last year and won two fights by first-round KO beating Park Reporter and Rodrigo Nascimento as well. You know, he came through uh, the CFFC uh, stage, which obviously is, is very good, and fought in CES and fought in King of the Cage as well uh, over in America. So he's, what is he now, 9-3 in his career, 10-3, sorry, and going in against Olenek. Obviously, <laughs> Olenek is going to be... Uh, it's got to be a tough matchup in terms of, like, if he gets him to the ground, he could make it tough for him. But that's a big fight for Dawkins, and I think they're kind of trying to build him up to be, uh, you know, a, a ranked guy pretty soon. So I'm looking forward to that. And another heavyweight fight. There's a lot of heavyweight fights uh, in the next while, but we spoke about this a little bit when it was announced. But here we have it uh, upon us. Andre Arlovsky versus Tom Aspinall. I am not a big fan of this matchmaking uh, it's, you know, J- actually, Jai Herbert was pulled out of his fight. I think it was, I'm not sure if it was on this card or, or the next card, but one of the fights, um, he got COVID-19. But the point there is, you know, they put him in against Drakkar Close and they put him in against, who was it? Was it Mark J. Casey they put him in against? Uh, but the tough matchups anyway to start off his career. Uh, or was it Alex Oliveira? I know, I can't remember. But anyway, they're doing that more recently. And we see this now with Aspinall as well. Okay, he fought Collier and Bado, two guys with, you know, 11 and 4, 8 and 1, okay, not bad records, and he was able to, to knock out both of them, but this, I think this is a big move for a guy with only, what, 11 fights, who, you know, hasn't, has, has lost a couple of them as well, I'm not sure it's the move at the right time, at the right moment, now he could win the fight, I think he's very good, very, very good boxing and all of that, and has professional boxing bouts and stuff before, but Arlovsky has the ability to kind of, take guys like that and make it tough for him you know he is (laughs) he is in that position for a reason and he's been in that position for years and years and years for a reason because he's able to stick in there and he's able to beat guys like that and you know you know he's beat Tanner Bowser in his last fight by decision beat Philip Linz you know beating Junior Albini on his way up as well recently and Travis Brown and Brendan Schaub going back through the years as well and just make it makes it tough fights for people. Um uh, look, if it's if Aspinall wins it's a good win for him and then you get to the point where it's like Cyril Gagne as well, you have to move him up more quickly. So I'm not sure if it's the right time for this. I think maybe a couple more fights and in this for Aspinall would have been right, but big opportunity anyway for Aspinall. Listen, what, what do you think of the matchmaking? And do you think uh, do you think he can beat uh, Arlovsky? Yeah, well, I think you know it's, Arlovsky's still a big name uh, to a lot of casuals and to everybody really, uh, and it's a it's a nice it's a nice fight for him. Like Arlovsky's shown a bit of a resurgence, but Aspinall's been putting people away in the first round and. Uh, Arlovsky's getting on. He's had a lot of time in the cage and all that. So yeah, I think it's a nice matchup for Aspinall to to kind of get a win over a, a big name and propel himself up. Uh, fight somebody maybe at the bottom of the rankings. Yeah, yeah. So any an interesting fight anyway. I'm looking looking forward to seeing. It. And I I probably would pick Aspinall, but it's just 
I think sometimes they're better safe than sorry with those sort of ones, and the UFC don't really seem to be doing that recently. But however, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how it goes for uh, for Aspinall anyway. Uh, otherwise, in that card, you have uh, Jared Garden coming back against Danny Chavez. You've Shane Dobson, Casey O'Neill, Eddie Wineland, the former WEC champion, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, is on this card as well. Chaz Skelly, Jamal Emers, Charles Rosa, who have a soft spot for obviously in exciting fights against uh, Derek Minor, uh, Sergey Spivak versus Jared Vandrena, Julian Arosa, uh, who been cartilage fucking Rob Blind. <laughs> against Nate Lanwar. Sorry, Vinny, dude, I'm only joking. Uh, <laughs> Eamon Zahavi against Draco Rodriguez. Uh, Phil Hawes is on this card as well. You know, one of the guys who's been a prospect for years and years and years. And it was this card which Joy Herbert and Drakkar Close was supposed to be on. But uh, Luis Pena steps in and he fights Drakkar Close instead. So that's, to me, that's a really, really good replacement fight. Um, you know, I would have loved to have seen that the other fight, but that's a that's a very very good replacement fight, and we'll uh, we'll see how that goes anyway. So, um, yeah, looking forward to that card, uh, and uh, looking forward to uh, everything. Actually, Graham, before we go, Bellator announced they're coming back as well uh, this week. Um, they announced a big light heavyweight Grand Prix. They announced, um, you know, James Gallagher was on talking to, to Luke Thomas and he said he's going to be fighting next. So we'll see how that works out. P- uh, Pitbull is fighting for the title. Winner that will be fighting AJ McKee. You know, as I mentioned, light heavyweight tournament, Joel Romero is going to be fighting Rumble Johnson. Ryan Bader's in that. Uh, Corey Anderson, Nimkov, obviously the champion and all. So a big time for Bellator coming back here in April. Uh, interesting times for Bellator. I, I feel like it kind of went under the radar a little bit, this whole Bellator announcement, and people weren't maybe that excited for it. What, what, what did you think? Was there anything? What was the most... Ex- what was the one thing you were most excited for coming out from that uh, Bellator announcement, Graham? <sighs> I don't know. Nothing too exciting. It's, good. it's just good to have a <laughs> oh, Bellator back, you know, more... Yeah, pretty much. Like, you know, there isn't too much to get excited about there. What... what like, what are you excited about? No, yeah, I like uh, that Rumble, Rumble, Yoel Romero fight. I think that, I think Rumble, it, when you put it in the tournament, you have to make that fight because Rumble is probably going to end up losing. Like I would have brought Rumble in and given him a couple of more easy fights. He'd been out for a good while. Like he bloomed up to about three hundred and fifty pounds of fucking pure muscle there for a while. Like that's a tough fight to come back against Yoel Romero. I know Yoel can blow hot and cold, and it could be a fucking snooze fest for three rounds as well, or five rounds, or whatever it is. But I feel like that's a tough fight for him. But it'll be a good fight, and I think it'll be a good showcase maybe for for Yoel. So I'm looking forward to that, and you know, obviously looking forward to to the Irish people getting back. Yeah, look, I'm what I'm really looking forward to, I suppose, is AJ McKee versus Pitbull. But Pitbull or AJ um, Pitbull, yeah, has another fight before that. So uh, obviously as well, the Bellator announced the uh, UK eye player. Uh, deal for their all their events going forward uh what that means for ireland uh i suppose we, we will see but like to me this we, we talked about it before when they did the thing on the iPlayer the last time uh for people in in england i'm sure i, I don't know how good the iPlayer is but i'm sure it's good it's not some huge thing it's not like it's on bbc one or bbc two where people are going to be flicking through the channels and find it it's something that it'll, for MMA fans in the UK, it's probably grand because you know where to get it. It's free. You can go and watch you it. You don't have to seek it out. Like You're not just going to stumble up, stumble upon it by mistake. Like Maybe a couple of people will, but if it's on you know, BBC 1, 2, even BBC 3, 4, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, on digital, you're, people are more likely to stumble upon it. But for, for MMA fans who you know want a solid stream, it, it, 
it's great but for for the you know engaging the casual fan or the the person just bored and looking for looking for something different to watch or whatever it's just not really i don't think it's really going to do much if anything at all um they didn't mention anything about ireland in the deal either like i remember one of the james gallagher cards they they put it on youtube in in ireland and i think mm-hmm. it was it was great it, it, i can't remember the viewers it did but it did it did it did great i thought and then they stopped doing that but uh, it'd be great if they could just return to that until they hook up some kind of proper irish tv deal um staying on top of these things like like streams and you know people will it, it, mma fans will watch it if it's if it's available to them uh so the BBC is great for that. BBC iPlayer is great for that. But you need to you, you need to make it as freely accessible as, as possible. And putting it on YouTube, everybody knows YouTube. You know, if you've clicked a few MMA videos, the YouTube algorithm might throw throw this in your suggestions when you're looking through videos. And all of a sudden, then you got a, a viewer that you didn't have before that, you know, all these other kind of streaming sites like BBC iPlayer, there isn't many people kind of, I don't think anyway, browsing around looking for something to watch like they're on YouTube. People go to the iPlayer to watch something specific i think i could be wrong like it's probably like this isn't this is a massive generalization but you know it's it's great having your name linked to the bbc or whatever but in terms of actual bringing fans to the sport bringing fans to the the brand of bellator i don't think it's really doing that so it's great it's better than nothing it's great to have it there like we've we've had worse situations with bellator and other promotions in the past but it's not this huge thing that you know that it, that it would be if it was actually on television on BBC or any kind of even on any kind of big digital channel. So yeah, I think I think it's not that big of a deal to be honest. Yeah. Not the shit on their deal, but Look, that's just my opinion. It's 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 a step up from where they used to be years ago. It's probably a little bit of a step down from YouTube <laughs> putting it there for free. But if for as you mentioned, you made perfect points there. I, I'm just going to rehash everything you said. There's no point, maybe. But as you said, like Bellator just being as, uh, associated with BBC is great for them because they can put out these press releases and it looks really good. And you know, people, the, it looks great for the fighters. You know, they can say I'm fighting on BBC this weekend. It's absolutely fantastic for them. It, it, it legitimizes it for them, and I suppose for uh, you know for their online base and everything like that which is great but does it really matter in the grand scheme of things is it going to grow bellator hugely no i think being on sky sports news actually did a very good job of that and i think especially in ireland as well when we saw the irish fighters coming through and james Gallagher was on it i think that was a big thing and we said it at the time um in ireland now it might be still on the sky sports line Let, let's wait and see and let's we'll see, we'll see where it goes but i, I assume not um so yeah, look, it's it's if, if I was in the UK and this was on the iPlayer, I go, oh great, I can watch it for free. I can stream it every weekend, absolutely perfect. I can probably go back and watch it. Uh, if it was on the RTE player, it'd probably be terrible because that's the worst thing of all time. But hopefully, the BBC iPlayer is a little bit better. We, as we say, we still wait news of Ireland. But look for Bellator, fair play to them. They uh, they got their kind of their PR out of it, I suppose, and they will and they'll continue to do that as long as this deal goes, uh, and they give people in the UK. The ability to watch it so uh you know that's that's that for them i suppose and it's um you know it, it is uh it is something which we have strived for uh, for ages to be able to watch a bit uh and so we uh you know if the, if the ufc signed a bbc iplayer they'd be probably like well that's bad <laughs> you know if they signed to get on bbc it'd be great if bellator got on bbc it'd be great but yeah i don't think 
being on a, an internet stream, you know, is which is geolocked to one location is the best thing in the world, butcher. However, you know, we'll 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 see how it goes. But uh, yeah, look, it's good to see Bellator coming back because um, it's been very UFC centric for the last fucking six months. We basically had nothing. Cage Warriors are going to be coming back soon. They've announced a couple of fights. Paddy Pimblett, as well, has a, a fight uh, announced against uh, Davide Martinez, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so, look, good to see Paddy back as well. And I'm sure there'll be no more announcements uh, over the next while as well. So, look, it's an, an interesting time for the world and uh, in the world of MMA and, and, and uh, everything like that outside from the UFC. So, yeah, look, we'll see how it goes. Um, anyway, we'll have plenty of time to talk about that over the next coming days and coming months. Um, thank you very much, Graham, for joining me. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Follow Graham at Severe MMA. Go to SevereMMA.com to see all the latest Irish MMA news. Uh, follow me at Sean Sheehan BA. And if you have any questions for the podcast, send them into at Pod or sign up for our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Podcast, where we have a Q&A every Tuesday morning thank you to everybody for listening thank you to all our patrons you're our favorite listeners you're the best thank you very much and we will see you all next tuesday or sunday